I drink the greatest movie of all time. I drink it up. Today on the podcast, there will be blood. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome, everybody, to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the podcast in which we are going to watch every single movie ever made eventually, and we're going to decide which one is the greatest movie of all time. I'm your co-host, Rick Barrasso. I'm your co-host, Derek Smith. And today, appropriately on election week, we have a special guest, the internet warlord himself. I don't know if he still goes by that name, Cameron Pond. Cam, how are you doing today? Hey, Rick. Hey, Derek. How's it going? I'm doing great. Hey, hey, hey. With you guys. Excellent. Great to have you. Uh, Cam, you actually picked a movie today. I what, did. Uh, pick a movie. Uh, you, you picked There Will Be Blood. Why There, why there Will Be Blood? Um, there Will Be Blood is a strategic decision, as are, are most of the decisions I make. Um, first of all, as I don't think is a secret to either one of you, I'm not nearly as much of a movie buff. Um, and uh, I tend to prefer my, my nonfiction documentaries to, to fictional movies. Um, and so, of course, when, when I have to pick a fictional movie, um, you know, I've got to do something that is at least a pseudo documentary. And uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is obviously a great actor. Um, he's only been in a few movies, though. And so it's very easy to hone in on uh, good Daniel Day-Lewis movies and uh, pick a good one out of the bunch. Yeah, it's, uh, that's right. It's a 2007 uh, movie, There Will Be Blood, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Plainview. And Paul Dano playing two roles as Eli and Paul Sunday. It has a, an 8.2 on the Internet Movie Database, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 93% on Metacritic. So, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, a, a critical darling when it came out. Uh, Derek, I mean, when... Um, yeah, when did you first see There Will Be Blood? What's your history with the movie? I don't remember specifically when I started. I think it was a little bit after it came out, but I remember seeing Gangs of New York and being like, that was my first introduction to Daniel Lewis, and I was like, holy mother of God, this guy is like the actor of all actors. Um, and I, I heard There Will Be Blood was, was a really well-known movie um, at the time, and I was like, I gotta go out and see this. I think I just went to Newberg Comics and picked it up on DVD. I used to go there and just buy like 15 DVDs at a time and be like, well, this is my next two weeks. Um, and I remember seeing it and being like, wow, he's just, you know, it was, it wasn't a similar character by any means, but the mustache was very similar. So I was like, is this what he does? Mustache guy? Mustache guy. (laughs) But uh, yeah, if you could describe Daniel Day-Lewis, two words, mustache guy. Mustache guy. Yeah. (laughs) He, he, he pulls it off well, but yeah, I saw it and I was like, wow, this guy is uh, heavy duty. And also uh, Paul Dano was my first introduction to him. And I've seen several of his movies since, and I'm big fans of both of them. So that was, uh, I liked it a lot. This is a year after Little Miss Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And he like, in that movie, he's like a child. And in this movie, yeah. he's like a, an adult. It's, it's, it's bizarre. There's only a year. He also plays a really minor part in season four of The Sopranos. And it's really hilarious to see him in that. This has been your HBO show reference for the week. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> Over of Game, of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones is, is next. I, I got it. Well, we'll I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you can work one in uh, eventually. Cam, how about you? When did, when did you first see There Will Be Blood? 
Probably about, it was definitely also a while after it came out. I, I candidly don't really know how it missed me, but, but like I said, I'm usually not as up on these things as, as the two of you are. But yeah, it was probably about a decade ago. Um, you know, I, I think similar to Derek, uh, Gangs of New York was a pivotal developmental movie in my, uh, my adolescence, um, just in, in terms of, uh, you know, like post 9-11 American machismo <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You obviously um, got that through Daniel Day-Lewis and, uh, you know, not that that's normally my, uh, my political vibe, um, but it definitely got me interested in him as an actor. Um, and then when I continued to like learn more about him, I'd obviously been familiar with Last of the Mohicans, but, but wasn't really, you know, hip to the fact that he was in it. Um, and then obviously have been, uh, you know, been a big fan of his since, you know, not only in, in There Will Be Blood, but, um, you know, also he, he went on to, to Lincoln and the other one there that I, I can't think of, which, which was his last. Phantom one. Thread. Yes, yes. Um, uh, so no, been a big fan of his, um, for, for at least the last 15 years or so. Um, and, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily aware of this movie at the time, but, uh, it's definitely made its way into my regular rotation now. Yeah. Myself. I, I mean, this came out 2007. I was in college at the time I was going to school about uh, an hour to an hour and a half away from home. And I would come home on the weekends to work. But at the time, gas was so expensive that I literally could not afford a movie ticket. I was like literally just funding my gas to get to home, to school, to home and work. So I didn't see it in theaters, but I, I did. It was it's one of those as soon as it came out on DVD, it was like throw it in the next Netflix queue and like, let's let's you know, watch it on my fucking laptop at school or put it in my PS2 or whatever it was at the time. PS2, yes. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, it was, it was definitely something that it was at the time, yeah, looking into yeah, myself being more into movies, I was very much aware of like, this is getting all the buzz and Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis are kind of like a match made in heaven because they both do a movie every few years, maybe it's 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 crazy that like, it took them this long to find each other to be honest sure mm. yeah and and thing, things are done i mean you know i mentioned it a few minutes ago like if i'm going to choose something outside of a documentary it's it's probably going to be something like this because uh you, you know especially with with the the method acting approach of uh, daniel day lewis that um you know you're, you're getting something uh as close to the real thing um you know a, a, as you, you possibly can in, in the modern era yeah absolutely and I, I just don't buy that he's done acting. I think he's. I think at some point in the next few years, we're going to see Daniel Day Lewis has put on 150 pounds and he's playing Donald Trump. <laughs> that, that would not. That would not be a. That would not be a shock. Although the 150 pounds uh, may, may be a real thing, given that we're we're all kind of locked in the house. <laughs> yeah. Or, you imagine? or or he he gains 150 pounds, plays Marlon Brando in a biopic. <laughs> he plays Marlon Brando. He method acts. Brando method acting. It's it's methodception here. But anyway, let's talk about every, as we do every episode, about what actually happens in this movie. And uh, we'll we'll go over it and we'll sort of comment on the plot as we uh, as we go along here. So we uh, we start out and it's 1898 and we see a man. He's toiling underground at a silver mine. And as it gets dark, he huddles near a fire for warmth. He lights a stick of dynamite and going down to, to check on it, he falls from a pretty high 
spot on a ladder. He injures his leg. And he, but he does find just a small amount of silver. And the score at this point just is swelling like a horror movie. And this is the life of Daniel Plainview right now. And then it's 1902, and Daniel, he's still digging, but he at least he has a team with him. He's invested that silver that he found, and one of the team members has a baby with him. Plainview, he designs a machine that is, it's like a crank that he can he can dig it up instead of actually going down in the hole with a, with a pickaxe. And using it, he strikes oil, and just buckets and buckets of oil. And then there's an accident at the, in, you know, at, at the drill and kills the, the father of this baby, and Daniel takes him in. And I mean, I guess this is as good a place as any. Does do we think Daniel cares about HW at all? I think. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything. But whatever. If you I, haven't seen the movie at this point, why are you listening to this podcast? Sure. Go watch exactly. the movie. Exactly. No you for that. dummy. Sure. I mean, it, it's pretty plain and simple to me that that he doesn't care. Um, I mean, the first kind of you know the the major appearance that you see this child in is, you know, the, the child has the father that gets killed in the accident. And then the next time you see this child, you know, he's, he's, you know, maybe, maybe eight or so years older and uh, he's accompanying um, he's accompanying, you know, Daniel Plainview to investor meetings uh, in order to, you know, make him look like a family man. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's hard to know if he, he ever cares at all because he does, he does react you know, in certain instances, like a, a caring father or stepfather or, or whatever. But I, I think, you know, even this early on, you, you kind of get the sense that there's ulterior motives at work. Yeah. Everything he does. I think he's definitely using HW for, you know, as, as basically what he says later on in the movie that, you know, I just, you should have put on a face, but I, I do think he has at least some, some affection. I think right. that the title of the movie is, kind of what you have to look at because the, the book it's based on is called oil right but i think there will be blood refers to i mean the idea of like blood relation family totally is, is so important to him you know especially stuff along with the, with, with the brother like later on in the movie and mm-hmm. uh, and then of course like it also means like at the end of the movie there's going to be literal blood on the floor and you know it's there's so much with the the Sunday family as well so yeah there's there's I think that the title is very uh, has a multi-layered meaning here and that, that's definitely true I, th- I think about that in terms of you know if you think about blood as being a relational thing you know not that I want to want to jump to new subjects or whatever but uh you, you definitely get that too with some of the other family relations that are are going on in this movie, not necessarily just between, you know, Daniel and HW, but some of the other, um, you know, characters that come into play. That's, that's an interesting point. And uh, so as you, as you mentioned, this is 15 minutes into the movie, by the way, we get our first dialogue and it's, uh, it's Daniel and he's selling, like he's selling his business basically to a town and where, where he might start drilling. And HW has grown into a boy. It's 1911 in this scene. So it's nine years later. And there's some disagreement with the townsfolk, whether or not they want, you know, drilling there so he and hw they they leave they go a bit further north and a family does allow them to drill in their land he lies to them about having a wife who died in childbirth so more you know more to the point of you know he's using that kid and while he's digging daniel's approached by a young man he claims to know where there's a place with cheap land plentiful oil and this is paul sunday 
and he's a, he's a, he works on a goat farm or his family owns a goat farm and it gives him location, uh, new Boston or little Boston for $500. And the understanding that Daniel is going to come for him if there isn't any oil and Daniel and HW present to, to camp and go hunting on this, uh, this farm. And they're approached by Eli. They're taken aback for a second uh, because he is uh, Paul's twin brother. They're both played by Paul Dano. They confirm the existence of the oil uh, on the grounds. Daniel attempts to buy the lot from the Sundays, uh, like on the cheap. But Eli calls his bluff, and he gets a promise of $5,000 eventually to, to be donated to his church. Eli's a, a preacher. And and another thing about this this movie, especially on this rewatch is the place of religion in this movie of Daniel just being furious at God throughout and Eli just being an absolute, like he's, you know, he's, he's, he's Billy Graham. He's fucking, you know, what's his name on the, the 500 club or whatever the, uh, Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn. Yeah. He's, he's all these guys. Pat he's, Robertson. Yeah. Pat, yes. That's who I was thinking of. Pat Robertson. He is all these guys. And he knows it, and he has eyes bigger than what the community will support. So Daniel then goes, uh, he looks into buying up the surrounding area to the farm as well. The only holdout is a, is a man named William Bandy. And we see Daniel, he's going to this, a similar spiel that he did before that the other town didn't go for. But he's also saying, oh, I'm going to bring a school, and I'm going to bring infrastructure to the town. We're going to get roads. And Eli pipes up, more concerned, again, about his church than anything else. In fact, Eli then leads a congregation down to the oil well, and he converts some of Daniel's employees. And then he approaches Daniel, and he offers to bless the drill in exchange for an introduction. And Daniel then snubs him and introduces his little sister uh, instead. Not long after, a worker is killed when a piece of equipment falls on him. Daniel, at this point, doesn't even know him. So this is how far down the rabbit hole that I think Daniel already is like we see the, that, um, that HW's biological father, I think it was his biological father at least died. And he immediately took in the kid now, less than 10 years later, he's so jaded for lack of a better term that he's, he's just, so do I know him? Right. Is that's what he asked when he's told he then goes, Daniel does to a service performed by Eli. And it is, it's very theatrical to say the least. This is where we go into, he's like, he's a, I mean, listen, I mean, Cam, you, you live in Texas at this point. When I was, uh, when I was down there, I went past, I think it was Billy Graham's church or not Billy in Houston. And it was just like a skyscraper. Uh, Joel Osteen. Joel yeah. Osteen. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was just like, th- this is who he is. Like he, yeah. you see him. It's like, Oh, I'm going to rebuild the church. And he builds it. And it's like the biggest building in town. Right. Yeah. And you, you get, that's where you start to get that contrast between, um, you know, I think the competing scenes at that point in the film are, you know, Eli building this church with money that he gets, uh, money that he gets from Daniel and then Daniel constructing, you know, more, uh, more oil derricks out of, uh, you know, obviously oil that he gets from the ground. So yeah, they're, they're kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Daniel, Daniel Plainview is, personified capitalism right and it's the movie is about how that capitalism like makes you a shithead by by its very nature and also is so tied in with the church and it's really like the story of i mean again this is a great episode to do on on election week 
whether or not we're happy a week from now, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, it's it, it really is a great week because it is the story of America writ small. Totally. In a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. And some of the only parts of, you know, uh, only parts of the planet that at that point were, uh, you know, uh, not not untouched in terms of human contact, but untouched in that regards in terms of, uh, you know, uh, taking the, the resources from the ground. So, Right. And, yeah, they, they go to uh, Daniel and, and Eli, they, they talk after the service, and they each blame each other for the worker's death. Daniel says, well, if he wasn't so focused on his religion, he could focus more on work. And uh, Eli says, well, if I properly bless the oil rig, then, then yeah, this never would have happened. This is, this is God's will because you fucked me over. Then there's an explosion if you expect the drill. And HW is thrown and he loses his hearing. And Daniel – and there's like a towering fire. And Daniel just looks like the absolute devil himself in front of this. And there's just an ocean of oil under him. And Daniel then's like, ah, oh, we can get a tutor for HW. At, at this point, I mean, this just goes to show again, like capitalism will destroy your soul as a person, you know, if unchecked, because this is his son who up to this point, he has like at least shown some care about him. And in his moment of need, the money is more important than his, than his son. Yeah. The moment he, he ceased being the, the moment he became more burdensome than he was just superficially beneficial. Um, he's kind of, yeah, out of the picture. I mean, one of the, the most poignant points to me was, um, you know, right after the explosion happens and, you know, Daniel runs over and, and grabs him and everything. And for like five minutes there, you're like, Oh wow. He like really cares about this kid. And, you know, he, brings him, brings him in and, and, you know, realizes that he kind of can't hear and he runs outside to watch the oil, you know, rig burn down again and, or as it continues to burn. And, and I think one of his counterparts whose name I can't remember says something to him like, Oh, this is terrible. And uh, you know, not even acknowledging, you know, the circumstances of the fire or his son or anything. uh, Daniel Plainview says something to the effect of, um, what do you mean this is terrible? Like this means I'm sitting on a field of oil or something. Yeah, like that. it's I forget the character's name, but he's he's played by by Syrian Hines, who you, you'll That's definitely right. have seen in a bunch of stuff. He, I, I didn't. I know mention, one thing you've been in. What's what are you, what are you referring to? Is it the surprise? Oh, it's 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 yeah. What Come has on, he Rick. been in, Derek? Come on, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I know what he's been in. What's he been in? Game of Thrones. Yes, he's been in Game of Thrones. Well, and I, Harry I, Potter. <laughs> yes, he was in Harry Potter. He's been in a lot of great stuff. He was the villain in the Justice League movie. He's this. There's not much to this role, I feel like. But yeah, Cam. I mean, to, to your point, he says he's the one who asks about HW. You know, just like a, a business partner. Right. You know, he's like he's like Daniel's guy, which I am sort of interested in because how do you become that person's guy? But he he asks, you know, how's H, is, is HW okay? And Daniel just goes, nope. Yeah, and he's just like more concerned about this this oil that they've they've struck. Yeah. The, the day after, uh, Eli comes down to the drill site and decides this is the moment to demand his, his five thousand dollars, and Daniel just slaps him around and rubs mud in his face. Not a huge fan of the Lord right now. <laughs> and Eli that night we go. He's he's still covered in mud at dinner with his family, 
and just berates his father for for trusting Daniel in the first place and 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 selling the the land to him. Sometime later, a man approaches Daniel, claiming to be his half brother Henry, and he tells Daniel that their father has died. And Daniel sort of is he like is he forcing HW to like is it like whiskey or something? Yeah, I thought that that was pretty interesting. It wasn't something I I'd initially noticed, but yeah, I think it was like vodka or some other liquor when he like pours it into the glass of milk to like get him to go to sleep or something. And yeah, yeah, it was something. It's, yeah, it's weird. So it, then Henry you know, just asks and receives a job from from Daniel and and that night Daniel confesses to Henry that he's a selfish, angry man, he hates people and that I found interesting because it, and that's where I sort of started thinking like, oh, this movie is about blood relation. It's because immediately, he immediately trusts Henry. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not only in the sense of that blood relation, but, you know, you think about the other set of brothers that is in the movie, which is Eli and Paul and how much is, you know, how much is going on there where, you know, you hear about them being twins and, or you think they're twins, but you never actually see them in a scene in the movie together. So I think there's, there's a lot at play, you know, not only between the, the the Henry and and Daniel, um, you know, blood relations sort of thing. Um, But yeah, also going on. You're not even sure 100% that they, they're two people until the scene where Eli is yelling at his his father because he mentions Paul. Right, like right. When, he, yeah. when Daniel and HW first see Eli, they kind of look at each other like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, yeah, he who's almost taking us for a ride. He almost spills the beans that that Paul gave it away to him. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably I never, I never put those two things together. Like I, like you guys brought that up. Like I, I always assumed that yeah, yeah, they're brothers and stuff. But yeah, it is kind of strange how like it's not until later on you find out that like, oh, okay, they actually are, and that, that's kind of strange. But it's it's also like I I wonder that they're probably as twins they probably are the only ones that discuss the oil because they're the only ones that that bring it up. Paul goes to the goes to, to Daniel and and then Eli is is the only one who asks them like, oh, are you trying to buy the land? Is it for the oil? So it's it's I, I wonder if that they have that sort of implied relationship where they've talked to each other about it. Although although Paul said that they didn't. And if the oil is the blood then yeah what is the symbolism <laughs> yeah so that uh, that night hw jealous i guess of the attention that this new guy is, is getting from his father lights the house on fire which seems pretty drastic mm-hmm. and then daniel <laughs> abandons him on a train to this to a school for the deaf which also seems pretty drastic but hey what are, what are you gonna do so uh daniel and henry meet with representatives from standard oil but a possible buyout Daniel declines because the representative from Standard mentions HW to him. So it is it is hitting a nerve. And whether or not that's because he cares about the boy or because he's just like this is my failure, it's it's tough to say. It's actually interesting that you bring that up because on the one hand, he brings up his family and it offends Daniel Plainview, but if you recall Daniel Plainview is um what the guy from standard oil is telling Daniel Plainview is that he should accept the deal so he can spend more time with his son. And even though Daniel Plainview gets offended, the thing he's offended about is that he's being told how to run his family 
even though he's being told he could spend more time with his son, it's not that his son isn't really what he's concerned about. It's, it's the fact that someone's telling him how he could do his business. Do you know what I thought about this scene? My, my thought of this scene is like, if this movie was filmed in the Boston area, Daniel Plainview would be like, what, we think you're fucking better than me? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're gonna send you to Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, we send him up to fucking Maine. You, you think you're fucking better than me? Telling me how to raise my fucking kid? Oh, a, a townie Daniel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a townie Daniel. Payne. Drink your frap. I drink it up. <laughs> <laughs> frap a. They they break this this deal off. It doesn't happen. Daniel then says, oh, "I'm gonna build a pipeline and and make a deal with Union Oil." But William Bandy's land is still in the way. So they meet with Union and Daniel and Henry, they go swimming. And Daniel begins to suspect that Henry's lying about being his brother when he doesn't recognize like a reference to their hometown. And that night, Daniel puts a gun to Henry's face, admits that he's an imposter. Henry admits that he's an imposter. And the re- where's a real Henry? It was his friend who had, who had died. And, and this fake Henry uh, took his story. And then Daniel murders the fake Henry, shoots him in the head, and buries his body in a, in a shallow grave. So pretty drastic action there. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, if somebody pretended to be your brother. I would have shot him in the kneecaps first. You just and tortured then, him a little bit? Yeah, shoot him in the shoulders. Would you have looked at him, him and said, there's going to be blood? Right before he died, I would say something profound that makes no sense to make him yeah. think, like, what the fuck's happening? And then shoot him in the head. <laughs> So the next morning, uh, Daniel is woken up by uh, William Bandy, who makes his first appearance in the movie, and he, his only appearance, really, and tells him that, yeah, I'll allow you to build a pipeline through, through my land, but one condition, you have to be baptized. And he also basically says, you know, I know that you, you killed that man. And then we see Eli baptize Daniel, but he publicly humiliates him, and he, and he forces him to admit that, that he abandoned H.W., so Daniel brings H.W. home, and H.W. just hits him, just pushes him, punches him, and because he's, he's pissed. Because Daniel just left, just left him on a train, just totally abandoned him, didn't even say goodbye. They go to a restaurant, they order some steaks, and guys, if anyone ever orders me fucking goat's milk to wash down my steak, can you imagine that combination? What are you you're a have? big chocolate milk guy, if I recall correctly, from times I've been out, <laughs> out with you. <laughs> How about yeah, water? I mean, it's goat, goat, goat's milk and, ch- and chocolate Cho- syrup. I mean, that's, that's a different Chocolate story. goat's milk? But I will say, he's a, the, kid, the kid is young. What is he going to have? What do they have to offer? You can't drink whiskey. Water? No, no, no. See, they don't do water back then. This is thing. Water Apparently, he has no fucking problem put, giving him booze. Like, yeah, he can't, listen, have, he can't have too much whiskey. He'll fall asleep. Listen, as somebody who knows his beverages, we all know that water wasn't invented until 1972. That's, that's so. true. Yeah, the 70s. Big on water. <laughs> Probably warm goat's milk at that because I don't oh, know yeah. electricity. Yeah, no refrigeration. <laughs> oh, some warm goat's milk. Like, can, you send me, can, you, can you send me back to that guest school? Because this is awesome. Yeah. Here's a combination you want. Tangy and creamy. Goat's milk. Mm. <laughs> to go with your steak. <laughs> so, and, the, and the steak was well done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was like a shit. It's probably like a horse meat, too. Yeah. And, and Daniel, by the way, when, when he is baptized, he is like, this is, I think, sort of the last straw for him. Like, he's he's been standoffish with Eli and they've been, you know, at odds with each other to say the least. But I think Daniel now is like, you're my enemy for life. 
anyway, at this restaurant, they run into that uh, that standard oil employee, and Daniel mocks him. In fact, you are not better than me. Here's my son. Look how successful I am, and you're a schmuck. Then he leaves, and and we see Eli is leaving town. He's going on a, on a mission. And then suddenly it's 1927. It's years later. H.W. is marrying Mary, who is uh, Eli's youngest sister, and Daniel has built a mansion. And and H-W- and in the, the New York Yankees have murderers row. That's true. It's a great it's a great year for for baseball, I guess. <laughs> we're not we're not pulling pitchers for no reason in the middle of a game when they're we're right. a two hitter. Exactly. I mean, nobody nobody's spreading a, a horrible disease without a mask when he's celebrating with his team. It's a great year for <laughs> baseball. So H.W. Uh, now an adult, obviously he's married. Uh, he approaches Daniel, who's now just a miserable old fuck, because this is just any story that he's given himself has just been pulled down. There's there's nothing to him between this. He's he's basically just a fucking Scrooge at this point. And you know, H.W. asks them. There's like they have an, a, an official partnership to make Daniel look good. H.W. wants to to do away with it. And and Daniel's just infuriated. He tells H.W. You know you're not my son. You're just a bastard that I found in a basket in the desert. And H.W. through an interpreter says, you know I'm happy we're not related. Yeah, nothing makes me happier. But. Uh, Daniel then drunkenly stumbles downstairs where he's built a, a, a very nice bowling alley for the time, to be to be honest. Do, do you think when he bowls, do you think he has his butler, who up until now has not appeared in the movie at all, do you think he has have him like manually reset the pins? <laughs> it looks like they had a whole setup for ball return and everything. So, <laughs> But true. I think he just probably does it for fun. Like he's like, hey, Jeeves. Of course he's Jeeves. Jeeves, get down there. Reset those fucking pins. Given the character, I can <laughs> yeah. really see it. Reset the pins? When you named, <laughs> when you named your son Jeeves, you pretty much mapped out his life for him. Oh, well, I'm sure Jeeves came from a long line of buttling. <laughs> buttling Jeeves. <laughs> yep. So he's, he's built a, this bowling alley, and he's, he's passed out on the alley. And then, then Eli shows up. And Eli yeah, wakes him up, and he tells Daniel, oh, I've been working radio. He's been... You know, I've been you know, spreading my word of Christianity to, over the airwaves, and he's trying to get Daniel to work with them. Uh, the the bandies are, are are vacating their land, and one of them, the you know, the grandson who is like the heir to the land, is going out to Hollywood. He's going to be an actor, and he's very handsome. And uh, guys, I, I mean, here's here's my thought. When I was uh, watching this, uh, yeah, this this watch through, yeah, you know, I noticed Eli. He mentions that. Yeah, oh, this kid is very handsome. And then he, not too long later, he says, "Oh, I've, I've sinned. I've, I've profaned the Lord." Is it, is it possible that Eli is gay? You know, if he hadn't said the sinning part right afterwards, I wouldn't have thought of it. Because let's face it, like you know, you look at an actor, you say, "Oh yeah, Brad Pitt, oh a handsome guy," you know, like, yeah. whatever. But the fact that he said the sin thing right afterwards makes me think that now, and that you've mentioned it, that I, I think that he is right. And. You know, there, there's not – we don't see a lot of Eli's point of view either, right? Yeah, and, and, and you get the, the sense that, you know, um, what makes him a, a great preacher is, you know, that, that fire inside of him. But you also get the sense throughout the whole movie that there's, you know, other things kind of – and I think early on, you know, you think it might be, you know, co- a competition with his brother or a family thing, but you always kind of get that there's something – you know, a little bit off. And I mean, definitely in this day and age, um, it would make sense that, that if he had those types of feelings, you know, that, that might, uh, that might, you know, express itself in, in that way. 
um, you know, just in terms of him trying to repress those feelings or, or, or cover them up, you know, through such an extreme kind of counter reaction, the most extreme, you know, he's the most opposite version of, of being that type of person that he can possibly be. Right. And I mean, if, you know, if we're, if we're saying that, that Daniel is, is capitalism, the second that Eli, and I mean, this is no secret to most people, the second that Eli comes out with, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit different. The second he hints at it, literally squashes him and beats him to death with a bowling pin. Yeah, that's sort of what society does to, to anyone who's even a little bit different. Uh, and I almost feel like if, if Daniel if Daniel knew, if he caught on to what Eli was saying and, and, and Daniel was like, oh, so are you, are you gay? I wonder how Daniel would have, if, if he had caught on to that, or maybe he did. But if, if we were shown that, I wonder how he would have reacted if he had like caught on, you know, how he would have dealt with that. I feel like he's kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, maybe maybe not the biggest fan of that type of thing. <laughs> well, Daniel, like himself, is like I hate everyone. Like, he even says, like I don't like people. Uh, right, right. That's but true. I, I think if if he were to have found out sooner, before he was just an absolute psychopath, then he probably would have used it against him. Right, right. He probably would have said, "Well, now I'm going to set your schedule for your preaching, so my my people can can do their work." Yeah, blackmail. You see any time that, I mean, you know, pointing out that similarity with, with him being silenced, um, you know, you see that similarity with, with HW where like the moment he becomes burdensome or different yeah. or something like that, he's cast away and, and sent away. Yeah. The, the, the second that, the second that something does not fit into his plan, they're wiped out. Totally. So Daniel forces Eli to denounce his faith you know, saying that there's, you know, God is a superstition and, and things like that. And Daniel then says, well, actually, there's no oil under the bandy tract of land. I took it already. And then Eli just breaks down and he, he starts crying. He spent all his money. He's a sinner. He needs help. And Daniel takes absolutely no pity, insults Eli, telling him, you know, I paid your brother. And now he's incredibly successful and you're pathetic. And I, if you have a milkshake and I have a milkshake, I bring my straw across the room and drink it up. I drink your milkshake. And then he chases him across the bowling alley. Eli's in full panic mode now. Daniel beats him to death with a, a bowling pin. It's a thick wooden bowling pin, too. And Butler comes downstairs. Daniel, with a beaten and bloodied Eli next to him, looks at the butler and says, I'm finished. And that's the end of the movie. So, guys, did did we miss anything? Is there anything else we want to discuss about yeah the the events of the movie? I think you covered it. I think you covered it. All right. So let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like, and we like to do that every week. Derek, let's start with you. What is your favorite thing about There Will Be Blood? Chemistry between Dylan Dale Lewis and Paul Dano for sure. They're they're the incredible together. Um, I, I will say this too. Um, it's it, it's hard to you know. It just seems like it, to act in a movie with these big, big, big actors like Daniel Day Lewis, Al Pacino, like you, De Niro. You need to be like on your game. And Paul Dano was one of those actors that I think stood his ground more than any other actor of Daniel Day Lewis. And I even played a preacher in a play called Elephant's Graveyard. And the the, the description for the preacher was doggedly hopeful. That's it. That's all I got. Doggedly hopeful. Uh, what does that mean? I wanted to be crazy like Paul Dano's preacher, but I couldn't. Um, but he, he's, he inspired me, inspired me as an actor. I think the two of them have amazing chemistry. That's, that's the strength for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that's, that's a great point. Like acting against someone of that caliber. I can't even imagine, like, I'd be, I'd be intimidated to like meet him on the street. I'd be like, Oh fuck, it's Daniel Day Lewis. 
right. never mind having to like act against him and like yep. try to play a character who like tries to one up him. <laughs> right. I can't even imagine. So yeah, Cam, what's uh, how about you? What's your, what's your favorite thing about the, about the rule of blood? I think it, it, it it's kind of kind of similar to what Derek said in a way, but also just hearkening back to kind of what I said at, at, at the beginning of our discussion here, which is just that you know because you're getting Daniel Day Lewis, who is very much a quality over quantity type person in this film, um, you know, with the acting style that he has, you know, he he kind of n- not only does he deliver on, on you know for himself, but he kind of brings everyone along with him in the sense that you know you're not seeing a documentary necessarily, and there there may be you know, perfectly relevant uh, historical criticisms. I'm, I'm sure, you know, just as there were with gangs in New York, New York, where, you know, there's historians who pick it apart and, and you know, say it's not 100% accurate. But at the same time, um, you know, the personalities and a lot of what you're, you're able to see in this film, um, you know, you almost feel like you're, you're, you're right there um, in the time period seeing it, which I think, uh, you know, even though there's, there's you know, other films, um, certainly uh, about the time period, uh, th- this delivers, um, you know, sort of far and away uh, to those others compared to those others. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does. Like he, he fully embodies Daniel Lewis, like everything. It just seems, yeah, both of them do, both those actors. I, I kind of went in a different, uh, different direction because I, I kind of figured that, that that would be the, the popular answer, something like that. I said my favorite thing is actually the score because it, it really does set the mood right away that this, what is happening is something you should fear. It's not good. It's something that is, it, it just sets the mood of the movie so well. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty un it's pretty unsettling right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, and it opens the first thing that I immediately thought is like, Oh, this sounds like the shining. Like, you know, and I think you said yeah. earlier. Right, like, right. And, and, and the director, you know, he he uses the uh, the score, he uses the music and the sound effects very wisely. It just, it's just so tense. And there's not a lot of music throughout the entire movie, but when there is, it, it matters. And a lot of movies can't do that, right? Right. So, I mean, unfortunately, with the, uh, with the good comes the bad. And this one might be tougher than usual. Derek, what is your least favorite thing about There Will Be Blood? I, I guess I'd like to see a really strong female character in this movie. I feel like the one thing maybe it's lacking is a strong female character that mm-hmm. could have been playing off the, you know, the big characters and see how they react to this other person and stuff. So I, I guess I'd like to just see a, a, a strong female character in there. Right. Absolutely. Cam, how about I you? Think, What's your least favorite thing about the movie? I think for me, it's that, um, you know, I still feel like coming through this, there's a lot of loose ends, like for being a, a two and a half hour long film. Um, you know, that's obviously a good amount of time to accomplish things, but I think there's a lot that you're still kind of left wondering, you know, when you jump around from, it starts off 1898, 1902, 1911, 1927, you know, you, you get these very poignant um, moments that happen at different points, but you're kind of left to wonder. And, and I mean, maybe that, that is some of the effect of the film, but you know, you're left wondering like, what did Eli do exactly for 16 years or yeah. you know, what, what was HW up to? Um, and, and so I, I think sometimes, uh, you know, especially I, I can appreciate it, you know, being as into the, the history of it and, you know, such a fan of Daniel Take Lewis as I am, but in terms of its, um, absorption by other people, you know, it, it can sometimes seem choppy and kind of disconnected. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with this 
because, and this is such a nitpick for me, is I thought the beginning of the movie could have been a little bit more direct. I think they took the long way around to getting to the story. Because like I said, you have, you have 15 minutes where there's no dialogue, which is fine on its own. It's like, it's, it's you know, great filmmaking. But it's like, yeah, he's, he's mining silver. And then they accidentally, like, like why did he hurt his leg? Like, it's just to show it sucks. We know working in a mine sucks. Like, it, it, it could have been a little bit more direct to, totally. to get where it's going. And that's, and that's such a minor criticism that it's it's almost not worth worth even mentioning but hey this is what we do every every episode do, yeah, do, the, do you uh, think do you think he meant doing that though i feel like in a lot of ways like everything he's done in this movie the director i feel like he d- does on purpose so I'm, I'm not sure if he's trying to like misdirect the audience i know that like when i first started i i literally asked the question what did i just watch yeah like what what's going on here in this movie i knew you had to dig dig deeper and i'm wondering if like Maybe that maybe that indirectness is supposed to make you feel like unease or something. Um, maybe I don't know. Well, again, it's like it's it's so much of like this guy's so successful, and really he just like got lucky. He wasn't even looking for oil. I, I guess that's what they're saying. But there's there's a lot, and it. it's like why does he fall down? Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis just a man is like I fall down in this. It's okay. Okay. Another thing that we like to do every week on the podcast is we like to go through the people that we think did the best and benefited the most and, and really just sort of won the movie. And we do that in the form of a bronze, silver, and gold medal. Cam, let's start with you this time. Who is your bronze medal winner? For the My Golden bronze Golden? medal winner is HW. Um, hopefully you're not looking for actors' names. Um, the younger HW or the older? Uh, I think the younger HW. Um, again, Specifically, I wasn't thinking of this as, as actors, and, and, and that's my lack of, of being a, a film buff, as the two sure. of you are. But um, I just think of H.W. overall as a character in this movie. Um, I think, you know, you've got bronze, silver, and gold, so you, you've got to pick three, obviously. Sure. But um, he's obviously just such a pivotal character to this uh, in the sense that, you know, um, he he kind of represents innocence and, and, and morality in a way, um, you know, family, obviously, and, and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that that's who I would I would choose for my bronze star. Excellent. Excellent. Derek, who do you have for bronze? My bronze goes to the director, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, he he had a lot to, to work with. Uh, he wrote the screenplay, I'm pretty sure, too, well, at least most of it. Um, he made some great choices with the music, uh, the emotions he he had a lot in his table and he hit a, he hit a home run with it. So he gets my bronze. Yeah. And my bronze went to, to Paul Dano. Uh, I mean, he plays, he plays two roles in the movie. He's Paul Dano's an interesting guy. I don't know if I've ever seen a bad movie with him in a major role, but I don't know that he's ever the best part of a movie he's in. You know, like I, that, that, that might change in, in the new Batman. It, movie. it could, I'm, yeah. I'm excited, see, I'm excited to see him the most. Yeah, he's he's gonna. I mean, he's a great choice to play Riddler. It'll be a really interesting take on it. I think. I mean, he's he's coming off Little Miss Sunshine uh, the, the previous year. We may have said it uh, earlier. I, I don't know. The yeah, I, I mean, he's so he's he's on a really good run here, and he's well, he's just a great right? actor. Yeah. Have you seen Love and Mercy? I've not. He plays Brian Wilson, and he is incredible in it. Yeah, um, he plays the younger he plays younger Brian Wilson and John Cusack plays older Brian Wilson and Paul Dano is like the the younger one where he's like in the midst of making pet sounds with the Beach Boys and it's yeah. like 
he does such an incredible job. I recommend that one. Yeah, who, Derek. Let's uh, let's go in a different order here. Derek, who do you have for silver? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis. <sighs> I give Daniel Day Lewis my silver Derek. award. Only, only. Derek. Hear me out. No, no, Steve, Rick, hear me out. <laughs> I have it written down right now. I have it written down that he gets the gold. I changed my mind to cost chaos. I'm listen. I'm not even Daniel Day Lewis this. is one of the greatest. <laughs> he's one of the greatest actors ever in film history. Um, I, I think he's incredible in it, but I also think it's hard for me to say. I feel like he just can go in there and he, he can do a good job without even trying. And I'm not saying he didn't try. Of course he tried. And he's a great actor and he's incredible and he's this and that. But I just think, I, I, I know you know where I'm going with this as, as far as my gold goes. And I'll, I'll explain after, but Daniel Lewis is incredible. He gets my silver. That's the way it is. That's, all right, fine. Cam, who do, who do you have for silver? Uh, it would be Paul Dano for this, for the yeah. for the um, Eli and Paul roles. Um, just because, you know, yeah, similarly, I think you, you've only got three spots. Um, you, you've kind of only got, you know, the more and more I think about it, you've kind of only got three characters um, in one way or another between, you know, H.W., um, H.W. Eli uh, and or Paul and then and then Daniel Plainview. Um, but yeah, obviously, um, I thought, you know, the performance on on even though you don't get much of Paul, like the performance on both sides of the coin is uh, really pivotal to telling the story in the way that it is and, you know, conveying kind of the the element of, of, you know, uh, religionist kind of moral compass, but also in this, uh, kind of like, uh, competition with, and, you know, to, to use the religious terms, like it's in a devil's dance with the, 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 the capitalism of, uh, of Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my silver ad Paul Thomas Anderson, and he's just got, he's just get an absolute mastery just of the tone of the movie. He gets a, a best director nomination. His last movie before this, was Punch Drunk Love. It was five years before. Wow. His next movie after that is The Master, which is five years after. So yeah, you you were right when he picks out his things almost as infrequently as Neil Day Lewis. Yeah, he like he absolutely like that. That's an artist for me though. Like that that is the epitome of art. He is like, listen, I'm not just going to make things just to make them. They have to make sense to me. It needs to be an artistic direction. So I love that about him. Yeah. And he, everything he makes is just absolutely fucking brilliant. Now right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first uh, for gold here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write exactly. Here are my notes I had for my gold medal. My gold medal goes to Daniel Day Lewis. My notes are, come on. That's it. I, I, That's all I, I have right. to say. Just come on. There, I don't even have to put the energy into this to defend it. Because it's so okay, well, obvious. Well, well, obviously, obviously, I'm after you as far as this goes. Yeah. I, and the reason why Paul Dana was my gold in this movie, and, and the biggest reason why is because how often do you see a movie where the A actor is uh, and the secondary actor? He's all. I mean, he he plays off him so well. It's like, uh, like I said, it goes off the chemistry again. It's like Paul Dana does such a good job digging deep into Neil Day Lewis's character that like I, it, I give him so much credit for being able to do what he does because you can't just cast anybody in that role Paul Dano has this uh, he has this thing where he starts really softly very very soft in a scene and he grows into this like uh maniac almost and um I love I love how he does it I love his the way he acts everything is subtle and it's 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 just incredible to me and Neil Day Lewis no one can touch him no one will ever touch him 
giving him the gold medal is obvious, but I'm giving Paul Dano the special award in this movie because I feel like he was uh, he was almost, if not his equal, as far as acting in this film goes, in my opinion. Okay, so yeah, next episode we're actually going to do a special episode on the 90s Chicago Bulls where uh, where Derek tells us why Scotty Pippen was the most important part of the team. But anyway, Cam, I think I know the, uh, know the answer. <laughs> I think I know the answer, but uh, Cam, who's your uh, – who is your – uh, who's your gold medal winner? Who who was that guy who played his assistant again? Siri Nines, Siri Nines, MVP. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, obviously it's Daniel Plainview, Daniel Daniel Day Lewis in this movie. Um, yeah, I I mean, I just think I I, I agree very strongly with what what Derek said. I mean, I, I think you know it, it's hard to disagree. Again, I, I think you know the 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 planning of this movie. Um, you know, is a, is very calculated. We we kind of see that, uh, you know, through the the discussion of you know uh, appearances of the director versus appearances of you know uh, Daniel Day Lewis, and, and I think so overall, it, it is very hard to say. Um, you know, and when it comes down to it, as far as characters that you see on screen, it really, um, you know, the, the show is stolen by by those two folks. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me, I guess it, it just goes uh, to the, the elder statesman a little bit in this case, um, in Daniel Day-Lewis and that, you know, uh, the, the way he, he kind of uh, pulls things together um, and, you know, treats these roles and, and kind of elevates the profile of, of, you know, everyone and everything around him. Right. Um, but like I said, it's, it's very hard to disagree, um, you know, that, that Paul Dano gives, um, you know, an excellent performance and is, is critical to this film. So one other thing that we like to do uh, every, every episode here is that we, we understand that, that not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time. In fact, only one movie can truly be the greatest movie of all time. But I think we can say that you know, every movie has at least one thing that it does better than every other movie. One thing in it is, is the best that's ever been done. You know, with There Will Be Blood... I think we have uh, we have uh, a few that can be talked about. Derek, who uh, what what do you have? What does there will be blood do better than every other movie? I think symbolism, um, and the symbolism they give you with greed, oil, fire. Fire is a big big element in this movie. Mm-hmm. It, it speaks a lot about what's going on and everything, and just you know, it, it truly shows the the darkness of humanity. Um, and it it's 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 severe, and it's it's it can be scary when you dig deep inside and see like what's inside of a human everybody's different but we're still all human um and i think the the, the you know it, it, those that, that symbolism in this movie it just it, it you could pick it apart scene by scene and i know that and i know that paul thomas anderson did everything intentionally but i think that he did the best job of just giving us uh, really strong symbolism and making us think about the woes of humanity if you will yeah i agree i cam uh, what do you, what do you have for for this I'm I'm going with um, relationships, you know, uh, which I know is something we've we've thought uh, or discussed a, a lot here. But I I think you know, yeah, again, you're dealing with a, a film that has a little bit of a, I guess I would consider it at least a, a limited cast in terms of you know broadness, a definitely diversity, um, and just the overall spectrum. But every single one of the relationships. 
um, in this movie is, you know, extremely important. And it's not just the relationships that characters have with each other. It's the relationships that characters have with themselves. And, you know, almost every scene, even though there are, you know, what I would consider minor characters like, uh, like uh, Paul and Eli's father, you know, the relationship that Paul and Eli have to their father and within their family is extremely important. Um, you know, the relationship of H.W. to uh, his his father who dies at the beginning of the film, I mean, that is literally a relationship that isn't even addressed, but for the beginning and end of the film. And, and so I, I think, you know, and that's without getting into, um, you know, Eli and Paul and, and obviously all of the relationships that Daniel Plainview has. Um, and, and yeah. So I do this a little bit differently. I, um, you know, I just, I just say that this is, I give a statement that I think I can, I can say is true. And I would say that this is the best movie about the soul sucking nature of capitalism, uh, unchecked capitalism. Like it's, you start out and you see Daniel as just this, in the first scene, just this hardworking guy. By the end of it, he's just, he's a monster. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like uh, the, way, the way you worded that, it almost reminds me of like, and it's, this is completely different, of course, but like, it's almost a Scarface type thing. Yeah. Like the, rise and fa- the rise and fall of somebody like that, of like, you know, it's, it's just interesting how they do that. But, but it's with oil and it's different, you know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I can get behind that, certainly. So, uh, yeah, that we, we've talked about what, what we like and what we don't like, and we've gone through all that. What, let's, let's talk a little bit about what the Hollywood bigwigs Every year they like to do, like to give out some, some awards known as the Oscars. And this movie, actually, it only won two Oscars. Great movie, only won two Oscars. One for Best Actor, Daniel Day-Lewis, and one for Best Cinematography. Well-deserved. Did get some other nominations. Got uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, Art Direction, and Editing. Was nominated for all of those. That's bullshit. And I know, and you know what I know. You know what I'm talking well, about. Well, Come this on. was quite the year. This was quite the year. All right. Uh, all right. So let's let's go through the, the categories and let's see what we agree with and what we, we don't necessarily agree with. So let's start with uh, with with the big one, the best picture. Great year. Well, one that I really don't like, but big year. So best picture. The winner was No Country for Old Men. Can't really argue with that. That is an absolute classic movie. And this was this was like the year I remember going into these Oscars. This was the year of is it going to be the Ruby Blood? Is it going to be No Country for Old Men? It's you can't go wrong with either of them. Yeah, uh, both great. So there will be blood, obviously nominated. Other nominees: Michael Clayton, great movie, just ran up against two juggernauts. Atonement, which was pretty good, and Juno, which was also a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Best director: uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen for No Country for Old Men. So that that was the winner this year. Other nominees: Julian Schnabel for uh, Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Paul Thomas Anderson, obviously, for The Willie Blood, Tony Gilroy, Michael Clayton, and Jason Reitman for Juno, which is also a movie that was directed. So, again, I feel like um, mm-hmm. they were so similar. I mean, I remember reading stories of not only were they the two best movies of the year, or at least the two most you know, critically adored movies of the year, they were filming very close to each other. So, like, the crews would get lunch and talk about, like, oh, this is what we did on this movie today. This is what we did on that movie today. So it, it's it, they, these these two movies are just brothers. Yeah, they they just yeah they, they you know they were Paul and uh, <laughs> and Eli. But so, again, you can't to me. It's like one and one a this year. You know those two movies. Best sure. actor, Daniel Day Lewis wins for There Will Be Blood. Here are the other nominees. B 
because this is this is a really interesting crop here. So Daniel Day-Lewis won. No one's going to argue with that. The other nominees, Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. Ooh, he was good in that. Ooh, he's great. Excellent movie. Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Allah, which I didn't see. George Clooney and Michael Clayton. Great role. The fifth nominee. Interesting. Year was 2007. Let's see if we can guess it. Year was 2007. It is a musical. And it's oh, an it actor who's no, normally not in musicals. Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I think he absolutely deserves that spot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's an, I feel like, an underrated movie. I feel like if what makes it good is really kind of what handicaps it, I think if maybe someone other than Tim Burton did it, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro's Sweeney Todd would be fucking incredible. Well, it's just as long as they don't screw up the music, too, because a lot of movies can screw up Broadway musicals, you know? Yeah. Best Actress, we won't talk about it. There's no, you know, big female roles in this. Uh, Supporting Actor. So, Supporting Actor, uh, Paul Dano not nominated. But, I I mean, he wouldn't have won, because the winner of Best Supporting Actor was Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men as Anton Chigurh, which... You know, I mean, even if we put him in there, he he wouldn't have. I don't think we put him. Well, in well that's that's the, that's the thing, though. Like, like let's say the other five, because I'm pretty sure like, oh, he should have gotten a nom. Yeah. So, Casey Affleck nominated for the assassination of Jesse James by the Robert the coward Robert Ford, which well deserved. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Charlie Wilson's War, which I've not seen, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, an all time great. Excellent. Hal Holbrook in for Into the Wild which that one is maybe questionable. And Tom Wilkinson, Michael Clayton, which I, I would say is well-deserved as well. So I think if we're going to replace somebody, it's, it's, it's probably Hal Holbrook. Yeah. Slot him right in there. I think that might be the only other movie I've seen on there, with all due respect. No, no, I've seen No Country for Old Men, but it was a long time ago. But I, I will say that, yeah, I don't understand the, the uh, presence of, of uh, uh, Into the Wild on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's one of those. Oftentimes, I feel like you get a nominee who is so. I mean, Hal Holbrook at the time he's ninety five now, so that was what thirteen years ago. So he's he's in his eighties, and he's just like, oh, this guy's been in everything. Might as well might as well nominate him. I mean, great actor Hal Holbrook, but I, I don't know about that one. I don't think you can you can necessarily put him above Paul Dano. I mean, those are sort of the major ones. There's no supporting actress we can put in, so those are sort of the major, um, you know, categories that we can we can you know talk about. And that brings me, and brings us really to my favorite part of the podcast, and it's the most important part of the podcast. It's when our friend Derek Smith God. gets thirty seconds to tell us what makes. There Will Be Blood, the greatest movie of all time. So I'm going to throw 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to say three, two, one, go. And on go, you tell us, Derek. Three, two, one, go. All right. We're looking at There Will Be Blood, Paul Thomas Anderson's absolute masterpiece. Powerful story about greed, oil, fire, relationships, uh, the the darkness of humanity, um, some of the finest acting you'll ever see as far as chemistry goes. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano give the performances of a lifetime. 
Uh, the cinematography is amazing. The, the shots of the endless lands of America, incredible. Music tension is at its finest, and I drink your milkshake. 29.66 seconds, Derek. Great job. Woo! Coming just under the wire, your, your best one yet. Thank you. So, I mean, that, I that I, bring. I think, I think I at least deserve the bronze award for this episode. Derek, you get the wood medal for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, great movie. I mean, that, that brings us to the, to the end of our, our categories here. Is, is there anything else that either of you like, would like to say about the movie before we, before we move on? I'm going to say if I could replace any actor in this, I'd replace Daniel Day-Lewis with Danny Glover. <laughs> Fair just enough. Just so I can get it, just at the very end when he's in his mansion, he can just say, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> too old for this shit. You're a bastard in a basket. <laughs> and instead of Syrian <laughs> Hines, it's Mel Gibson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Sequel, sequel. There, there will still be blood. <laughs> the sequel is there was once blood. Or it's still the word still is an oil, it's in like an oil drip. <laughs> I want to see the plot line in the 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 third or fourth installment where uh, the grandson of Daniel Plainview goes to work in the Bush administration. Yes, as vice president. Yes, <laughs> and, and and Paul Sunday reappears and he's like ruthless like his brother he was hiding it the whole time <laughs> daniel day lewis as vice as as dick cheney Plainview, <laughs> and paul dano as as george sunday walker bush Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> so that uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode reach out to us on on social media and 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 let us know what you think next week though we have a first. Uh, we have a couple of firsts, actually. It's, it's the first Rick's pick. I pick next week's episode with no input from Derek or from anybody else. It's also a first. This is a movie that won no Oscars. This is a movie that was nominated for no Oscars. This is 1989's Batman. Ooh. Starring Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Bob the Goon. We're going to talk about all of them. <laughs> And it's going to be a real fun time. Wait till they get a load of Rick. Wait till they get a load of me. So yeah, that's uh, that's our, our episode uh, next time. Cam, do you have anything to uh, to plug coming up? Nothing to plug coming up. May uh, we may be launching the uh, the uh, Wikipedia or uh, Wikipedia uh, <laughs> sometime here coming up in the the near future. Um, but still working out the logistics of that. All right. We'll see I will that. be in touch with you about so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should be fun. Should be fun. And also next week, I do want to uh, uh, bring up, we might have a format change. Might have a little bit of format change. Yes. Uh, so, so, so stay tuned for that. Try to make it a bit of a, a leaner, meaner podcast. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that next week. So next time, Batman. For the moment, I've been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And for the moment, I've been your co-host, Derek Smith. And we've had our guest, the internet warlord, Cameron Pond. Talk to you later. And uh, I would say we're finished. <laughs>